All right, Brandon Voss, thanks for coming on, bro. Sure. No worries. Awesome, man. So why don't you just go ahead and very quickly tell our people really who you are, um, what you do, and uh, we could take it from there. Uh, Brandon Voss, um, live in Texas, greatest country on earth. Um, I hit. <laughs> I'm a mechanic by trade, um, but a hobbyist shooter, and mostly recently, and it's kind of taken over pretty much everything I do. It's kind of actually a bad addiction, to be honest. Shooting? Yeah. So let's talk about that first. Like, when did you get started with that? You know, it's funny is I didn't get started shooting. I actually looked this up um, when you reached out to me because I wasn't sure. Um, and I think my I purchased my handgun in September of 2019 or October. So not long ago. Right. Almost a year now, actually. And that's that's how you first got started? Just a year ago? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I started like everybody else, you know, you go out, you buy a gun and it's like, mm -hmm. sweet, go to like Academy or Bass Pro, you get some ammo and you go to the indoor range and you start blasting holes in paper, you know, and uh, I, I think from there, I had this inner drive that I had friends who shot, but none of them were really, um, you know, active in the training community. Um, mm -hmm. And I bought my gun originally because I woke up one morning and I was like, I'm going to get my license to carry. And it was kind of like this introspective thing where I realized that I was like, well, you know what? I got to be in charge of, you know, my own personal safety. Right? right. And so that was like my driving force. I bought my gun and like that week I applied for my LTC class. Um, and I only went to the range a few times before I got comfortable enough with the gun, did my LTC course. And then, straight downhill and the, I don't even want to talk about how much money and ammo and training and stuff like that. Especially nowadays, ammo is a, a lot. Yeah. Luckily I, uh, I was shooting, luckily I was shooting so frequently that I was like, you know what, I was just order a case of ammo and I would usually order it every month. Cause you know, I like to shoot once a week, maybe more. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just ordering cases of ammo. And then when all this happened, I already had a decent amount of ammo, but, uh, yeah, I, I still have yet to buy ammo at you know, 60 cents around or whatever it is. I just, I just won't do it. Yeah. That's a bit much it's too much. That's a bit much. What's, uh, what gun did you get? You said you got a pistol. Yeah. So my first gun, I bought a, uh, Smith and Wesson MMP 2.0. Um, is it, man, it was a great gun. And I went and, uh, I tried out, you know, Glocks. Um, I tried the 19 X, I think it had just come out at that point. And, uh, buddy of mine had a 17, um, or sorry, he had a Glock 19 and, uh, I figured out what I liked, but I didn't like it. Another friend of mine actually had the MMP already and something like I held that gun and you know, things just like you see it in a store and it just speaks to you Yeah. like that, that gun had like the grip was good and like, you know, I didn't know crap, but I liked the sights better than the Glock sights. And, um, it just felt better. And I was like, that's it. And, uh, I actually got it really good deal, like brand new sub, like 400 bucks. And I was like, this is it. And I've had that gun now and put, I didn't want to know how many rounds through it now. That's crazy. That's cool. I actually just bought a Glock 19, uh, gen five the other day. Nice. Yeah. That's Great my guns. Handgun. I've always kind of shot guns, but you know, that was my first actual handgun. I want to conceal it. It's like, it's just perfect. Yeah. I know what you're talking about though. When it starts speaking to you, I was in the, the store yeah. and he was like calling my name. So I know what you're talking about. Finding ammo 
is crazy. I mean, where have you been getting yours? Have you just not been so, shooting a lot? No, so I still shoot. I try and shoot weekly. I just took a, I just took my uh, two courses in the past two weekends, actually. Um, it, online is probably your best bet. I've heard, and I haven't experienced, but I've heard rumors of sporting goods stores like Academy or Bass Pro or something. Mm -hmm. They stock up and it, it's still at their cost. They haven't hiked it up at all. Um, I've heard rumors, but I have yet to experience it or go and actually try and wake up and get there at opening because apparently people are lining up at the doors at, you know, 7 a.m. And yeah, I just kind of am at the point now where I'm like, well, I'll just uh, ration what I have and see if I come across good deals online. And I'm not waking up at 630 to go to Academy and wait in line. That's Hell, not happening. No. <laughs> Hell no, I'm not doing that either. So, yeah, no I thanks. mean, so you said you shoot at least once a week, right? Yeah, try what, to, yeah. What goes into that? Are you like you're showing up with purpose and actually working on stuff or are you just going to shoot for fun? No. So everything, when I go to the range, it's usually planned out. And, uh, you know, most recently I think everybody's had a really big, um, I, I don't know how to like uh, low round count drills are trying to figure out how to get the most out of their ammo. Um, and it goes beyond that. Anything that you do at the range, the only thing that you're, or training that you can't do at home is recoil and accuracy right um everything else you can do at home and there's plenty of dry fire videos out there there's plenty of you know transitions and teaching yourself these things and dry reps on reloads and stuff like that um you don't need live fire to do that so when i go to the range it's usually drills uh that incorporate multiple shot strings or have a really high uh capacity for accuracy and so you know, you're training something muscle groups such as your trigger pull or your sight presentation or, you know, your speed and incorporating these things all in together. Um, but yeah, it's usually purpose driven. You go there with a plan on today is going to be a, a recoil day and I'm going to do drills that have two, three, three, four, five shot strings or today I'm really going to drill on accuracy and I'm going to have multiple shot strings because that's what I'm at the range to do. But my target area is now the head box on an Ipsic target or it's a three by five index card or something very small. Um, the rest of the stuff, I, you know, I don't really go to the range and drill reloads. Um, it's definitely something that you like to do once you get an empty mag. Cause you're like, well, I have it. Why not? Um, but I mean, that's all stuff I can do here. You know, I don't have to drill that at the live range. I don't have to waste ammo doing it. Yeah, definitely. That's might be the most important thing. How important is, is training on a weekly basis or monthly or at least on a, on a regular basis, how important is that to you and to most people that, that carry? Shooting is a perishable skill. Um, it's true. How, how important is it if you're an avid gym goer when you go on vacation for one or two weeks and you get back in the gym? What's your, what's your weightlifting looking like? What's your cardio look like? What's everything like that? Um, it's the same thing with anything. Anything that you actively put practice into, whether you're a sports person, baseball, football, whatever, or – um, a hobbyist, whether it's, um, I don't know, even something like drawing, right? You can have the natural talent, but if you're not working to perfect a craft, you're either going to, um, uh, regress in that, or you're not going to have growth. You're just going to stay stagnant. Um, and for somebody who is actively looking for shooting, um, you have a bottom line. And so you, will train up to a certain amount and you will always fall upon that training. 
So if I was to go out at my level right now where I feel comfortable at, if I didn't shoot for a month, I would no, be nowhere near as fast. I wouldn't be nowhere near as alert or ready to um, perform on demand certain tasks because I'd be like, my hands don't have this muscle memory anymore. Yeah. I can't lift as much as I used to. I can't, you know, I, uh, I don't swing the bat as good as I used to. You know what I mean? Like you have these downtimes. So it's always, I think it's really important to get out there and at least just do 50, a hundred round purpose driven drills, get yourself behind that gun and, uh, and do stuff related to it. Um, cause if you don't, like I said, it's a perishable skill. You'll learn real quick that you're not where you were two weeks ago if you don't shoot. Yeah. Is that, you know, being in the firearms community, is that kind of where you see most people kind of slipping up when it comes to their training? They just don't train enough. They don't show up with intensity and actually take care of business. So that is, you know, I'm just curious. I'm just curious on that. I think people, um, they either don't have the drive to get better Mm -hmm. or you're right. They don't take the initiative to become better. Um, one of the things I always relate it to is you have to make time in your day to achieve things that you want to achieve, mm-hmm. whether it's going to the gym, whether it's doing chores, whether it's, um, you know, perfecting firearms in this, in this instance. Um, if it's something as simple as like you come home and you're like, man, I really don't want to go to the gym today. And you're already selling yourself short. You're already like, Oh man, I'll just skip on the gym today. Or, and, oh, I didn't go yesterday and, you know, today's going to hurt me. I'll go tomorrow. Right. It's the same thing with yeah. guns. If you come home, make the time. How many people come home and watch Netflix? Right. Wow. I, I watch Netflix and I dry fire and I dry fire with my presentation on stuff coming across the screen. So if I'm watching an action flick and there's cars zooming by or actors or something, I'll present and I'll aim at those cars as something. It's a moving target. It's, it's training my eyes and bringing my gun to my eyes to a target. Right. Wow. So you can kill two birds with one stone and do it. Spend 30 minutes doing it. Spend yeah. 45 minutes doing it. Eventually you'll get to the point where you're watching a whole Netflix series and you're like, Holy crap. I have my gun on me the whole time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you'll notice it's a, it's a very serious thing. I, and it, I'm not the first person to say it. And I'm sure I'm not going to be the last person. Dry firing will make you a far superior shooter. If you practice it the way that you should. If you put in the time, it's like lifting with bad form. If you lift with bad form, you're going to hurt yourself or you're going to have to retrain it. If you're dry firing with purpose, if you're dry firing with uh, knowledge and you're trying to just bang motor skills, you know, you don't have to do it fast. Part times and Instagram clips are cool, but nobody cares how fast you can slap a reload into your gun if you do it wrong or it's only a, yeah, I hit it and it was your 36th take. You know what I mean? But you're going to up- upload it. Nobody cares. Yeah, I'd rather you get that motor function down. And next time you go to the range, you're going to be out there and you're going to be like, pow, pow, click. And you're going to be like, oh, crap. Uh, uh, uh. And your friends are going to be like, dang, that reload was hot. Yeah. And it's happened. You see, guy, you can see it. You're on the range and somebody is perfecting that crap. Somebody hits a reload or something real fast. You're like, oh, I like that. And then you go home and you drive by a reload for 30 <laughs> minutes because you're trying to be like that guy. Yeah. So how do you properly, properly dry fire? I mean, what are some of the common, cause a lot of this, a lot of the questions I'm asking you are, are mainly for myself. Um, yeah. so I'm just curious about this kind of stuff. So, I mean, how do you properly train for this kind of stuff when it comes to so your house? My, my thing would be either isolate a skill that you particularly want to work on, right? 
if you are finding yourself, you're like, man, you know, my reloads aren't where they should be. The cool thing is, is there's a lot of instructional material, even online, mm -hmm. um, that you can receive from people, reputable people, Sage Dynamics, um, you know, Ronin, a lot of gunfighters, a lot of competition shooters out there. I, I can imagine Jerry Mitchellick or somebody out there has a bunch of videos. Uh, I just took a class from this past weekend, Pace Performance, uh, Paul Van Dunk, who's a grandmaster shooter and uh, shoots with a bunch of companies. And, you know, he has a, he says that perfect practice makes perfect, right? right. If you practice bad habits, then you're going to have bad habits. So yeah. if you find that material and somebody's talking about reloading in their workspace and not while you're at full yeah. presentation on the gun and you're working out here and trying to reload out here, drop it into somewhere comfortable and work on this motor skill. Yeah. Adjust your, adjust your gear. So it's more cognitive for that process, right? Figure out what works for you. Um, and that goes with anything with a draw. There's a lot of things that go on with a draw. And especially in my instance, um, from the self-defense aspect, I dry fired an appendix draw until I developed calluses. Like really? I was trying to figure out what the best way for me to do it and how to defeat certain garments, how to, how to get a grip on a gun. How did I have to adjust my holster to conceal better while also maintaining proper control of the firearm? Right. Hmm. Uh, um, there's just a lot of stuff that goes goes into it and dry fire is a perfect way to find out what works for you and what doesn't so my advice to anybody who is going to dry fire and try and do things properly is find a structure that works find source material that you can learn from and go slow nobody cares when you are on the range or you're in front of a purpose-driven group how fast you can do something people who run fast you're like wow dude that that guy's fast and then like 30 seconds later you're like corn dog you know what i mean like nobody cares <laughs> yeah unless you're you unless you're like an olympic athlete then people care but yeah. when you're on the range nobody cares how fast you can do something but if you do it well every time you will set a bar for people so train at a pace develop motor skills develop cognitive process for you to be able to achieve something when you have the muscle memory when you have your default way of doing something, mm -hmm. cut your time down, start trying to do it faster. Um, a shot timers are really awesome, but also a curse. Shot timers have this really cool thing. You can get it on your phone and set a part-time start at a draw, set a part-time of like three seconds and just do everything. Perfect. Defeat the garment bring your side, prep the trigger, get your, you know, your line of sight, right. align your sights, target click. Right. And then I do five, 10 reps of that knock it down from three seconds to two and a half, knock it down from two and a half to two, two to one and a half. And then eventually you'll notice after doing 30 reps of something, you'll hit your break point where now the timer's at 1.3 and you're trying to book it. And you have to have that personal accountability to say, okay, I got the trigger press, but I didn't have my sight. That's my breaking point. Hmm. And so move the timer up and then get comfortable at that. Do more reps right? Yeah. do something properly. It's just all reps. I mean, that's about, that's the same thing with anything. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just breaking things step by step into, you know, your draw, you know, getting that ready from, just from here from point A to point B right here. And then once you, I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't really know a whole lot about this kind of stuff just yet, but just breaking yeah. it up in small digestible steps. Yeah, absolutely. I heard somewhere. There's, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. There, there's a lot of, you know, it, from a beginner standpoint, breaking things into steps absolutely helps yeah. if you're going from one to two to three to four to five 
that's cool. But you'll find out as the faster you get into it, one, two, three, four, five becomes one, two, three. Right. right? You skip middlemen where you, you bring it out and this one, one to three motion is now one. And then the two to three motion is now one. So right. you, you knock it out and you get more uh, progressive in your training and that's how you get skills, right? You get all of the stuff and you combine them and then you subtract where you can and, you know, fastest line from A to, or fastest trip from A to B is a straight line, right? right? Yeah. That's what you're working towards. That makes sense. Um, I don't know where I heard this. I heard that someone said that dry firing is bad for your firing pin. Is that true? No. On a lot of older guns, Hey, somebody will correct me on this date, but I, rim fires 22, anything that is a rim fire cartridge, don't do it because the way that those interact are, um, are completely different. And then older guns. Oh man, I wish I knew the, probably in the thirties, if I had to guess, maybe the twenties might be newer than that. I have no idea, but older guns don't dry fire them by sure. any modern style striker gun, whether it's a Glock, even hammer fired guns, Glocks, SIGs, MMPs, CZs, all that, you can dry fire them until Narnia, probably. <laughs> and then, like, they'll be fine. I have heard of some, uh, I think somebody posted on Instagram, like, they had a Zev striker break, and it was, he didn't know why or how, but he contacted them and they got it remedied right away. Um, I, I would be hard pressed to imagine that that had anything to do with dry fire. Um, but no, don't worry about it. I dry fire all the time. I have never replaced a firing pin in my MMP, and I've probably put 10,000 or so plus rounds through that while dry firing almost every day. If not every day, I've never had an issue with it. So Myth you're debunked. fine. Myth debunked. Your, your Glock, fine. Yeah. Why, why, uh, why was that bad? What, what did it do? So – the way that cartridges, from my understanding, granted, I'm not a historic uh, gun owner at all. I never own anything like that. But the way that rimfire cartridges work versus where firing pins work, so firing pins will impact the primer, the primer will set it off, right? Rimfire cartridges, I think the way that they ignite, it just smacks the whole thing. And so it'll ignite the rim and it'll set the powder and go. I think if you dry fire those, I could be showing my ass. Somebody will correct me and be like, um, <laughs> actually, rim fire works like this. Okay. I, I think the way it, it like smacks it and then like you can deform the, the striker face or something like that on the gun itself. Um, and then older guns, I think it was just tolerances or something like that. But like, like I said, I'm not a professional in, in rim fires or historic guns. I just shoot them. But, you know, my, my thing is if you have a, AR style weapon, or you have a modern striker fire pistol, dry fire it. It'll be fine. If yeah. you're really worried about it, order the extra $10 striker just so you have it on hand. Yeah. I bet you're you have one messaging you after this about, about that. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to get, I'm going to get a history lesson for sure. <laughs> for sure. So let's talk about uh, average Joe's. What is that? And how'd you get involved in it? Oh man. So average Joe's was, something I really just stumbled across and man, whether you believe in predetermined fate or, you know, religious being puts you in the right place at the right time or whatever it may be, man, my firearms journey like started at the precise time, like it was supposed to. Um, so I bought my gun and, uh, I talked to a friend of mine and he was like, you know, who makes really good holsters and stuff for you is uh, tier one concealed. So I've heard, 
fantastic holsters, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and that was when I actually started getting into Instagram. And so I figured out how hashtags work, never used them. <laughs> wow. And I clicked on tier one concealed and it brought up, you know, people who repost with hashtags. Right. And one of those guys was Sam Pitchfork. Um, amazing guy, a super capable shooter. Um, but through scrolling through his videos and stuff, I found out that I was like looking at the ranges that he shot at and I was like, dang, those are really sick. But I found out he's local. And I was like, what the hell? So remember I was at the point where I was like, indoor ranges are sick, dude. They're not sick. So I found the range that was local. Um, and I ended up following him and I would see the people that he shot with. And so I would follow them on Instagram and, um, you know, eventually that community started and, uh, Jim's goon life put out this thing and he's like, Hey, we're going to start a range day where you guys are more than welcome to come. You can train with us. We're going to have drills and stuff and, uh, it'll be rad. And I don't think I made it to the first one. I think that was the first one happened before I was even involved in that community. Uh, but the second one happened and there was like a dozen of us, maybe the, the picture is out there somewhere. Um, and then when I got in the group with those guys of when going training with them, that was my kick in the ass. That was, these guys are out there and they make everything look so smooth. They have purpose driven drills. It was training for specific things. Um, and they really set the bar. And after that first hour of shows, I was like, this is how. I set my training up and I think the drills that we ran there, I took to the range and did the same exact drills for months, like, or at least weeks, because I think at that point they were like, we're going to do it every month. The next month showed up and there was double, if not triple the amount of people. Like we had a dozen people there. I think the next photo we have is like 50 people. Right. It was insane. Huh. Um, and it was the same guys and you know they were like oh you were at the last one hey what's up and you know you link up with them and then they follow you on instagram and you're like oh my starstruck you know I mean? these guys that i look up for or look up to right they follow me and it's like oh, oh crap like don't be an idiot um and then you know it started taking off like it went from a dozen like six people the first one to a dozen to like 40 to i think we this last one before we moved the triple C had, dude, it was like 150, 160 people showed up and there's all these vendors and overwhelming support from the community, like Triarch systems, Magpul, big text outdoors, rugged suppressors, TTPOA. Um, I'm going to forget somebody and I really hope you don't get mad at me. Um, and I already forgot who I listed. Um, I'm going to forget somebody. I think Everly stock, uh, hawk.us, all these guys, they come together and they sponsor it. Like and they're sponsor like, Hey, sponsors. Yeah. They, yeah, they come out with merch and you know, this is all the brainchild of Jimmy and all the average shows and all of that credit goes to them. That's um, cool. but they come out and they're like, this has gotten so big. And to the next one, the most recent one, they limited it and they were like, we're going to have spot for this amount of shooters. Um, and I think there was like a hundred, 120 people online that registered to shoot, but then you have just those people shooting and they had to cap it. People were asking like, Hey, do you have extra spots? You have all of the vendors. Uncommon Live podcast came out and did podcasts with people. Um, then you had spectators and I mean, unique individuals that came through and rotated out whether they were spectators or not. I think it was over like 300 people. It yeah. was an insane amount of people that were there. Um, and instructors came out. Brittany May is one of them. Uh, Matt Tran, 
Um, of course, the average Joe's guys, they all come out. Nub Gunner came out, which is an amazing, super He's awesome. awesome, super awesome human being, uh, incredible role model, great guy. Um, all of those guys, you know, it's all for the community. They've never asked anybody, hey, if you're coming to these range days, you know, it's a hundred bucks, right? They're like, pay the range fee, come out and get some training. And it's such a cool experience because you know, they just want to bring training to the average people. The yeah. average Joe is doing above average things. That's cool. And it's such a unique motto because everybody's so gatekeeping and oh, sign up for my class or these guys are better than these guys where they're like, we don't care. Like, we don't care who you are, what you do, whatever. If you want to come out, come out. And I think this last one, we had people from Chicago, Virginia, uh, California, people flying to Texas, people driving to Texas. That's it's awesome. wild. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're taking it other places and look out for that in the future. But it's, is that, uh, it, is that from the average Joe's or is that just kind of just branching off and doing their own thing? Oh, no. So it, it is and it's not. So, uh, Jimmy did a video on his YouTube channel, but basically if you have a location, if you have people that are interested in doing a range day, you fill out a, uh, an application on their website and they look it over and they say, Oh, like we'll cruise out there. And some of the average Joe's will go out there. They'll link up with you and you know, they'll hang out at your range day and maybe they'll take some training stuff and let you shoot their stuff. Yeah. Maybe bring you some merch, some, some gear from some of the sponsors and, uh, basically taking it on the road and, yeah, it's, I mean, it's huge. You think about maybe a year in the making, if not less. I mean, I think there's been six total average shows range days, maybe five. And now it's like, Hey man, when are you coming to, you know, come to Oklahoma or come to Arizona or come to, you know, Virginia and people like that. I was talking with Jimmy last night and he was saying that somebody in like Finland was running the drills. Finland? So they do this thing, the average, yeah, someone in the average Joe's challenge, they post on Instagram, somebody follows and they got guys submitting videos from Finland. And I mean, it's wild. It's that's super cool. crazy. That's yeah. Cool. I mean, that's, that's the cool thing about the firearms community. I mean, it's kind of tight knit people. It's very accepting from what I've seen. Um, yeah. That's cool. That's very cool. Next time I'm down in Dallas and you stop by and do that. That'd be cool. Come through, come through, keep an eye out. Uh, it'll go online and, um, you know, whenever the next one is scheduled, I'm not the authority to speak on that, but uh, look for it sometime coming up and uh, apply for it online. And make your plans. Definitely. It's, That'd be cool. it's a unique experience for sure. Is there an Instagram page for that? Yeah. So the Instagram, they, they have the average Joe's, I think it's average Joe's RRD. So it used to be average Joe's super rad range day. And I think that's, it's either average Joe's S R R D or just R R D, but that's the average Joe's uh, Instagram, but you can follow Jim's goon life and you know, he's the organizer and the master brainchild. And then from there you can follow all the other guys that are involved as well. But yeah, yeah you can go on Jimmy's website as well. Information's on there and stuff like that. But Instagram seems to be the major communication venue. Yeah, Instagram for it's at Instagram for it's at. I, uh, it must be pretty new too, isn't it? The, that, Average, well, average Joe's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I could pull it up somewhere. That photo came from somewhere, but yeah. I want to say it was definitely when Texas was cold. Cause I remember the first picture people had on coats and, and beanies and stuff. So I want to say maybe it was October, November of last year. Yeah. I was going to say, cause I, I Googled average Joe's and the, the fucking movie came up from dodgeball. Have you seen, you've yeah, seen that movie, no, right? yeah. You can't, you can't find it. Like you have to know what you're looking for. Cause if you look at average Joe's, it's like, 
the dodgeball movie, it's the gym, it's all this stuff. But if you go on Instagram and you know, you type that in or you look at Jim's goon life or whatever, it'll come up. If you type in average Joe's gym goon life, it'll, it'll pop up either a YouTube video or a website for sure. Yeah. That's a great, Um, great movie, by the way, for anybody that's that's great. Great movie. Go watch. Lobo Jim rules. (laughs) Purple Cobras. But anyway, what's the biggest lesson you've learned uh, from shooting guns and uh, from being a part of that community? Oh my. That man, that's a loaded question. So I have learned, I think the biggest takeaway I have from the firearms industry as whole is if you want to make it, e- if you want to make it easy, humility, right? Humility right. is go in, learn what you can to absorb everything like a sponge, check your ego at the door and just learn. Because mm-hmm. even if you think you're too good or, Oh, I already know this. If you're going to a class or whatever, you will take away nuggets. Right. Um, but honestly, the biggest thing from firearms as a whole is when you make the conscious decision and not as a hobbyist, not as, you know, oh, I'm going to go buy a gun because I'm going to post on Instagram. Yeah, your boy's got a gun. When you make the decision to carry a gun, when you take the decision to take your wellness, your security, your uh, protection to yourself and take it seriously, your entire paradigm will shift. Everything about it. You will not view it as I have a gun, so I'm the baddest dude. You will view it as a gun as this is my last resort. Everybody will always like, you will take steps to deescalate. You will take steps to like, if somebody's robbing me. I'll be like, dude, the wallet isn't worth it. Here you go. Yeah. I'm not that guy. Here you go. Take everything. Cause I don't really care. Yeah. Um, everything can be replaced. Um, exactly. But you start thinking about, you know, it starts with guns where you're like, man, what happens if I get hurt? And so you're like going down the medical rabbit hole and then you're like, okay, well yeah, tourniquet. And then you're like, oh, I got to take a medical class because not only for myself, but what if somebody else happens or, you know, somebody else gets hurt and then I want to be able to supply aid and it becomes not about you. It becomes about protecting. It becomes about being, you know, a, a, a properly, I don't want to say armed, but a properly uh, equipped civilian. Yeah. Right. Is you yeah. have the means to protect and, and de-escalate and, um, you know, help people. It isn't about, you know, the flex or it isn't about being a cool guy. It's about just being prepared. Yeah. And, I have uh, a, um, Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I, I think long winded diatribe aside, like <laughs> there is a difference between people who buy a gun and, uh, go to the range every once in a while and take their, take their friends or take their girl and they go shooting and, Oh, it's cool. And people who actually take, this is my right. This is my uh, protection. This is my, um, you know, this has now become a way of life, right. right? That is a huge, huge paradigm shift for you as a human. And added responsibility too. I mean, uh, I think when it was, I think it was Friday. I spoke to uh, Corey Brossard. Brossard, Brossard, I messed his name up again. Um, he's a good dude. He's a paramedic and a SWAT team member and a, and a police officer. Yeah. He's a badass. But anyway, I spoke to him on, on Friday uh, for the podcast, and he was just talking about, you know, how important it is to understand medical and, and how to, you know, apply tourniquets and yep. he has his own company when it comes to, you know, training and, and um, 
you know, instructing people on how to go about situations where they have to, you know, look out and care for other people like that. So it's, it's, it's probably the, it's probably the most important skill. Like, sure. You know how to shoot a gun and you're really good at it and absolutely is a perishable skill. But what happens when somebody's bleeding? Right. Do you know how to stop that? Right. Do you know how to apply a tourniquet? Do you know how to prevent bleeding? Do you know how to, you know, help somebody in the time of need? Like, most people will tell you, you know, you have a first aid kit on your belt or in your bag or something. It's not for you. Yeah. Or, uh, sorry, it's not for you to use. It's for other people to use on you, right? So, like, I carry first aid in an off-body carry bag. I have a full first aid kit and trauma kit in my car. Um, I carry at least a tourniquet on me, not because I think, like, oh, man, what if I get shot? Which is entirely, like, yeah, I can use it for that. But what if somebody needs it? What if I come across somebody who has a, I'm in a, uh, a restaurant and somebody gets a severe, you know, glass laceration and it, they're, you know, bleeding a, a, you know, a artery or something. I have that capability on me to help somebody. Right. That's, that's why you carry it. And that's why you should be familiar with it. Cause you're most likely to, uh, fix, a, uh, you know, a bleeding finger or somebody's hurt than you are to ever draw a gun in your life. Yeah, that's, that's what he was saying. And uh, my bad, Corey, if you're listening to this, brother, my bad. I'm, I'm literally probably like the worst person with names. Please don't take that personally. Um, but, yeah, he's a good dude, man. He was talking about how um, you're so much more likely to use anything related to medical than you are to actually pull your gun out and have to use that, God forbid. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So there's definitely, like, levels to all this stuff. Um, it's humbling. It's, it's a rabbit hole. It, it You'll is, get sucked in. It is a rabbit hole. Definitely, man. So what is a 263 collective? I want to, I wanted to bring that up real quick. So that was, um, man, I stumbled across that. That started as just an Instagram page. Um, that I just stumbled across and it was like, Oh, I like what these guys are putting now. And I realized that super quickly they were putting out stuff that was about community. It was about, um, being selfless, but also knowing your worth. Um, and just overall, just, man, good vibes that I think are missing. A lot of people are really eager to speak on the bad stuff happening or, um, you know, talk crap on one another. But, they, man, they're just out there and they're, like, promoting self – I don't say preservation. That's not even the word. Uh, Self-worth and, and – um, you know, one of the things is you get what you earn, right? Nobody is going to hand you anything. Like you get out there and you earn it. Um, and I, that's massive. And I fell so in line with them because average Joe's was that it was, it isn't about us. It's about the community and hyping each other up and encouraging people to get that training, encouraging people to have that, um, you know, that want to, and that drive to go achieve something. And average Joe's was get more proficient with firearm skills, right? Mm -hmm. Two, six, three is do whatever you want to do. If you're in that hustle to get a new job, if you're in that hustle, like you're trying to find that motiv motivation to work out, you're trying to find, you know, that motivation to help people or support good things, man, get after it. And they started this whole thing. And, uh, you know, they started, uh, with donation to Christina Meredith foundation as a small page. Right. Um, and Christina Meredith was a human trafficking organization 
and they're out there just gassing people up about um, my buddy Matt's. Uh, he started uh, a page called Fifi Actual, and that's about uh, combating veteran suicide. Um, and it's all about just totally selfless, give to the community, encourage everybody else, and bring in just super solid vibes to people around you. And, and sharing love where everybody thinks it's like, it's cool to be a hard ass, but man, sometimes, sometimes your homies need a little gassing up too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I talk to a few of those guys almost every day and they give me crap about, man, what are you doing? Like get out there and, you know, get out there and chase what you want to do. And a lot of them are like, get further into the firearms industry. And I'm like, there's a time and a place, but yeah, they're all selfless. Like that, you'll never catch them talking about them. It's always about, Hey, what are you doing? How are you? What are you up to? Like, and so between two, six, three and their community outreach, their encouragement, their good vibes and average Joe's encouraging and their good vibes. It's um, for me, those two groups of people have just become like giving back to everybody and encouraging good, good stuff around. Right. That's a huge, uh, I, I think it's a huge thing because you don't run into that super often. Yeah, that's true. That actually kind of, you know, leads right into my second to last question. Um, what do you think America needs more of right now? <laughs> love, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it, you know, make love, not war. And, you know, all the Vietnam era hippie stuff aside, right? For yeah. sure. I You – you need to be able to talk and communicate. Um, I don't even want to say without emotional response. You just need to be able to understand and have empathy, have compassion for your follow, or for your fellow man, right? Um, that way you can understand where they're coming from, but it has to be reciprocated. If I talk to somebody, if I talk to somebody who was against guns, right? Huge fan, love, love shooting guns. Love really? guns. I love, really? I love how they work. Yeah. Like I'm a mechanic by trade and like I got into it because as a kid, I was really into how stuff works. Mm -hmm. and, and now that's followed in guns. I'm like, wait, how does this gas tube work? And oh, okay. I see how this works. Oh, this is interesting. Anyway, if I talk to somebody who's about guns and they're like, you know what? All guns need to be banned. It's like, okay, I understand. Let's have a conversation about this. I'm not going to turn around and be like, yo, F you, dude. Yeah. Like, just have conversations be open with people and and you know if they don't give you the same respect back then that's fine because those are the people that are going to go find the same exact people how they are but uh -huh. if you ever, ever want to have a conversation with somebody don't get emotionally charged understand right yeah. you you have a conversation to listen not to talk mm. yeah that's a bomb right there that's good, man. <laughs> yeah, I at least I think so. If I'm talking to somebody, I want to hear what they say. I did not open a line of communication for me to just talk over them the whole time. Right. I'm here to listen to how you think about stuff. Yeah, I had a guy named Roman Roberts on the podcast not too long ago. Um, he's a he was a negotiator in the army. He's a really good dude yeah. too. Uh, wow. About um. He's actually got a podcast called Real Talk of Roman for anybody that's listening. Go check it out. I see myself in the face of this little drawstring. <laughs> Good thing nobody's going to see that because it's a podcast anyway. But anyway, he was just talking about, I mean, people try to win conversations now. I mean, it's not even really about like talking or anything. It's just about 
I have to win. Yeah, right? dominance for sure. Cutting heads. Um, I think that comes from ego. I mean, where do you think that comes from? Yeah, ego for sure. Um, but I think it comes more so from people have always felt that there is a right and a wrong side to everything. There is no middle ground. There isn't a, um, I don't, I, I hate that it's become like a political term, but there's no centralist idea around anything right. where I can have a strong opinion about something, but also understand why people have, um, you know, their opinions on it. And you'll find this in any, especially now 2020, the political race where people mm -hmm. have super strong opinions and they're not willing to give up an inch. Yeah. And is that ego? Yeah. But it's also because what I said earlier, where they're having a conversation, it's not to listen to the other person. It's to force their ideas upon yeah. somebody. Right. And the thing is, is you're never going to win anybody over like that. If you're just constantly dominating. And so, yeah, while it's driven from ego and while it's driven uh, from the, the overwhelming need to win, it's also driven from a, they already think they're right. So right. now we're going to make other people think I'm right. That's a good way to look at it. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, someone who talks about that a lot is Jocko Willink. I think I've mentioned Jocko on like all three of the podcasts we've shot. So, so He's a profound dude. I don't, I don't blame you. Shameless plug for uh, Jocko. Um, but yeah, he talks about that a lot, just separating your ego from the equation. I mean, your ego and yeah. your emotions don't have anything to do with, you know, execution. It has no place there. I, I will tell you that that is another lesson I learned from the firearms industry. Is if you talk to anybody who you think is the top of the line, any special operations guy, and you already are like, these guys run guns. These guys are the best of the best, whatever. They are the first people to drop their egos at the door. Yeah. They, they are not there to combat and say, oh, I already know this. They're going to walk into it and say, all right, check. You're the one that's in charge. I'm going to learn from you. And they will probably take one, two lessons out of it, but they will learn something because they're not going in there with an attitude. That's like, I'm better than you. They're going in there knowing that they're, there for something and that something is to learn and so they might be the baddest dudes on the planet but they're as soon as they walk through a threshold where somebody's going to try and teach them something they're like all right i got you let's go into this right and i mean, obviously jocko falls in line right seal special operations check your ego at the door yeah you know I mean? yeah yeah that's actually one of our core values at uh, signature 76 is be a leader and a follower that's something that that i got from him and it's true. I mean, some yeah. of the best lead, you have to know how to follow to be a good leader. And you sometimes like if, if I came down to Dallas and I shot guns with you, I wouldn't be a leader. I would let you lead. Or if you did something that I was good at, then you might lead or so, or I might lead. But um, definitely knowing which one to do is, I think is pretty important. Um, yeah. There's, there's a time and a place for everything. Definitely. Absolutely. Awesome, man. My final question. Uh, what's your favorite signature 76 piece? Okay. I feel strongly about this one. And I know that a lot of the guys in the military are going to be like, you know, the, the army runs this or the, you know, the Navy runs this pieces. I think that the historical artwork 
where you print out, um, you know, bombing of Pearl Harbor or mm -hmm. something related to history on that. And that is an art piece. The newspaper prints, those are sick. That's like, even beyond the artwork is history. And anybody who's going out there trying to preserve history or spread that and make people not forget where they came from, like that's, that's an A plus. And yeah. I like that. I appreciate that, especially nowadays. I mean, I feel like people are, I mean, they're tearing down statues, you know, just trying to erase yeah. history. I mean, it's craziness. If you erase history, you can make anything you want. I mean, yep. And I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing. So the preserving history is a huge, huge thing because, you know, there's that saying of history repeats itself, but it'll repeat itself way harder if we forget and, uh, try to recreate what has happened. Mm -hmm. So if we already have a history and we know, Hey, when we did this, this happened, maybe let's not do this again. Yeah. Make but it's also, it's also a reminder of man, such good camaraderie. And I mean, there's probably a million things out there, but you know, most people will tell you the days and weeks, probably if not months following nine 11, the most horrific tragedy that has ever happened. Mm -hmm. America came together as Americans. Right. There was no, there was no separation. Everybody had the same flag wearing the same pride. And that's the important thing. One, one of the few very important lessons from history is so the more you preserve that man, the more I think people need to remember it. Yeah. I uh, completely agree. Completely agree. Awesome. Brandon, uh, where can people find you online? I think you're mostly active on Instagram. I mean, yeah, Instagram is really my only place. Um, Instagram. Yeah. I actually don't, I actually don't do anything other than Instagram. I don't know how people keep up with multiple, uh, yeah. multiple different social media tablets, but my Instagram is at boss, but it's S H H H boss. S H H H boss. Yeah. S triple H boss. All right. For those of you listening, go give them a follow and go give him shit about his firing pen thing that he said earlier. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely educate me because I want to be able to tell people not to, not to shoot 22s or dry fire 22s and old historic rifles, but I want to know why. I'm going to go Google that right now, actually. <laughs> I'll learn something real quick. All right, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. All right. See you guys. Thanks, brother.